Happy New Year. No, we didn't jump right to Halloween. But this year, we always begin our New Year's. What's, what's the one thing we make at New Year's? That's right. And we are creatures of habit, and sometimes those habits look a bit creaturely, don't they? And so we wanted to start this new year off by looking at how God, through Christ and the strength of the Holy Spirit, can help us change our old patterns and ways. And so today, I'm excited, we'll be in this for the next four weeks, at looking at some patterns that maybe don't necessarily strike you as bad habits but I believe are things that are holding us back as a church. So if you came hoping that you would, um, I don't know, use better language or, or uh, do something, you know, give up a you know, rotten habit or something like that, we're not necessarily looking at individual habits. But we're going to be looking at our corporate habits. What are some habits that the church gets into that God is calling us in 2020 to see change? And so I'm excited for this. I hope you'll plan to be here all four weeks. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the first chapter of Luke. Yes, we're still in Christmas time. So find that, find, find that passage in your Bible, first chapter of Luke. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat back in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible at home, we want you to take that one home with you as our gift. We want you to read it. Come back with your questions. I love hearing new people ask new questions as they read the Bible with fresh eyes. So do that in 2020. I also want you to put your finger in Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1. So find all of those. You'll probably have to, you know, kind of hold. Maybe you want to put your bulletin in one of them. We're going to get there. But we need to set some things up as we begin to roll towards the Scriptures that we will see read today. And so I want you to to look at, of course, we do our resolutions. I thought this would be fun. What I have is the top ten New Year's resolutions made going into 2020. And I thought we'll do a little audience back and forth, okay? So if this was your resolution... Raise your hand high, okay? Alright, here we go. Read more books. Alright, all the nerds say yes. Alright, good. Good. Uh, travel more. Any travel more? Okay, okay, a couple of you, alright. Family and friends. Spend more time with family and friends. I hope, yes. Church can be a part of that. Spend some more time there. Bad habits. Just I want to give up a bad habit. I threw up smoking up there. That's the one they have. But I have a bad habit. I just want to let go. Yep. Okay. All right. It's okay. I, I raise my hand. Still have those, right? Those happen. All right. I want to live my life to the fullest. That's how generic can you get? Everybody's raise their hand, right? All right. Uh, explore a new hobby or learn a new skill. Anybody? That was their, their New Year's resolution? Okay. A couple. Good. Good. How about organize? Yesterday I found myself mysteriously taking everything out of the cabinet and putting it back in neat. The goal will be to see how long that lasts. Uh, how about lose some weight? I won't look. Don't raise your hands. <laughs> and of course the one that goes along with it is exercise more. Alright, how many of you? You've already uh, signed up for P90X or something like that at your gym. These habits, these are the things that 2020 that Americans are saying we want to, to do better at. I'm going to, may, I'm going to resolve to do one or many of those things and see how long it lasts. And for many of us, we've already broken it and we're only five days in. 
But that's okay. Pastor Joe told us last week, you just get right back up. You keep going, right? You don't quit just because you, you blew it once. You just keep going. Lean into those resolutions. There's something about resolutions that presuppose that a bad habit has taken hold. And so we wouldn't, if we didn't think that anything was wrong, we wouldn't make these, try and make these changes, would we? So when we make a New Year's resolution, what we are saying is, I have a couple of bad habits that have taken hold, and I want to do something about that. I want to start the New Year off right. I want to be fresh. I want to let go of that bad habit, or I want to, I want to build in some good things that will get me where I want to go. Bad habits can be overcome, first of all, by acknowledging it. You're just saying, yeah, I really struggle with this. I haven't been exercising lately. I can tell. And I need to get back on the treadmill. Or I need to get back out, the, out there. I need to lift some weights. I need to do the things that are going to help me. You have to acknowledge. If you look in the mirror and think you look fabulous, maybe you don't have to do anything. But if you're making a resolution, one of the things to change a bad habit is to acknowledge it. Second, is to replace it with a good habit. If you're only eating at McDonald's and you think that's a bad habit, which it is, if you're only eating at McDonald's, then mix in a core life eatery now and then. Salad or something like that. Or eat at home, you know. Fix your own food and and see what good things can happen. Maybe that's your learning a new skill, cooking. So we have to acknowledge the bad habit. We have to replace it with a good habit. And then we need discipline and grace. Too often, we're just mm, disciplined. And, and those folks who, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do this perfectly, those are the ones that they, they mess up because you're a human being and they're like, oh, forget it. Pass me the cheeseburger. Those people need grace mixed in. Grace that comes from God that strengthens us and helps us to move on and continue to do that. And grace with ourselves. That you are a human being and so am I. And we want to see these things change because we want to be healthy. We want, we want to be able to use our bodies, which are the temple of the Holy Spirit, as long as humanly possible. Some of us are just full of grace. I forget, you know, if I have a cheeseburger a day, it's not going to kill me. Uh, you know, I don't know why I'm on cheeseburgers. Anybody else hungry? <laughs> Should have eaten a bigger breakfast. Um, anyways, those of us who tend to just be really on grace, oh, it just, just, just doesn't matter. We need a little bit of that discipline to see some of that change happen. So we acknowledge, we replace with good habits, and we have discipline and grace from God and with ourselves. That's going to be the way that we begin to see bad habits changed. Now, what is the bad habit that we're going to deal with today? I believe it is the number one bad habit in the church today. Are you ready for this? It might shock you. I believe that the bad habit that we need to overcome as a church is fear. Folks, we're afraid. We're afraid about a lot of things. And I want to I want to dive into this because I think this is of ultimate importance for us as an organization. It will benefit you as an individual as well, but I believe as an organization if we do not let God change the bad habit of fear, we can get way, way, way off track. 
Now, let me pause here for just a moment because some of you really struggle with intense fear, something called PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And, and if you struggle with that or if you struggle with some type of anxiety disorder, this is not the kind of fear that I'm talking about in the church. Now, maybe you feel like that's a bad habit, that you know your, your traumatic stress things are wreaking havoc in the family or your anxiety or those kinds of things. That may be the case for you, but that's not the kind of fear I'm talking about today. If you feel like that is a bad habit, then maybe the discipline that you give yourself, maybe the thing that you are gracious to yourself is that you make an appointment with a counselor. Maybe you have the discipline of trying out a medication that God will use to bring health to your everyday life. Maybe you join a group of other people who struggle and you share about what you've experienced that caused such deep trauma and wounding. Okay, I wanted to be very clear about that up front. That is not the kind of fear that I'm talking about. The fear that I am talking about uh, is is really a fear in some ways is natural. It does keep us alive. Okay, if you're not afraid that cars are whizzing by at 45 miles an hour on Oakland Drive and you decide to play there, somebody's going to die. So don't let me say all fear is bad. There is a, a healthy sense of fear, and we're not talking about that either. The kind of fear that I feel like God needs to help change in the church today is the type of fear that is a willful allowing of fearful speech, fearful news, fearful gossip to form our thoughts, to numb our actions because we're afraid, and to dull our trust in God. Because what we see in the world or view intentionally over and over and over and over again, causes us to be so afraid that we begin to see, whether by our actions or by our thoughts, that as bigger than our God. Now, I'm not getting a lot of amens. That probably means it's hitting you the way it hit me as we begin to look at this. So this is not the healthy kind of fear that keeps you alive. This is not the traumatic wounding or the anxiety that may have come out of childhood wounds. But I am talking about, folks, a willful allowing, I want to say that again, a fearful speech, fearful news, and fearful gossip to form our thoughts, numb our actions, and dull our trust in the God who loves us. This is hard. You might rather give up eating cheeseburgers than this. Because I want to, I want to, we need to acknowledge that this is the case. And so I I wanted to try and explain what I'm talking about when it comes to fear, but it's kind of like trying to describe water to a fish. We are bathed in it. You are saturated in it. We are soaked in fear right now. Every Time you watch the television. I'm not even talking. We'll get to the news, but that's that's down. Just we are marketed by fear. In the 80s and 90s, you were told, "Look what you could be if you would buy our product." In the 2000s and today, look what could possibly happen to you if you don't buy our product. 
You are made af- made afraid to feel afraid so that you will buy a product. Whether it's a ring doorbell, or whether it's some type of security camera, or whether it's a certain medication, or whether it's have a certain surgery, or do something. If you don't do these things, look what will happen. Are you tracking with me? There's nothing wrong with having a ring doorbell. I'm just talking to you. I want you to be aware of the fear that is getting you to, bu- to buy that ring doorbell. Please don't sue me, ring doorbell. The average Christian states that they have trouble finding time to pray and read the Scriptures. But the average American interacts with media 11 hours a day. That includes Christians. Now that's a broad type of media. I'm not talking about news media. News media is a portion of that. And I don't care which news media organization you listen to. Okay? The playing field is level. They all use fear. Every last one of them. Think for a second. If we're in this period of acknowledging, I I know, I'm, I'm preaching today, aren't I? Sorry. How much time do you spend here and here? And how much time do you spend watching the news, listening to the news? Scrolling through the news. Every single one of them is using fear. Oh, they might throw in a tad, a little touch of, oh, look at what happened. A kitten was rescued out of a tree. But the whole other time, it's all about be afraid of this. This is happening. This could happen. This could happen. If this doesn't happen. I think it used to be, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I think I'm old enough at 48 to remember a time when politics was about this is what this candidate believes and if you vote for this candidate, this is what you'll get. Again, please hear me, I'm not talking about either party. I'm talking about both parties. Now, it's not about what you'll get if you vote for me, it's what will happen if you vote for the other person. The world will end. It will be catastrophic. Death will reign from above. You're laughing, but it's because you know it's true. We are saturated in fear. We take it in. We breathe it out. And because because we live and breathe in this day in and day out. Folks, I'm here to say at the beginning of 2020, it has crept into the church. And we are afraid. And sometimes it's not about all that stuff that's going on out out there. Sometimes it's right in here. We're afraid of other Christians. Oh, they read the King James Version? (gasps) What, they're Baptists? Oh my goodness. Oh, they... They do a liturgy? Oh my goodness, and we're afraid. And we allow that speech to come out of our mouths, that that fearful gossip to come out of our mouths. We take in fearful news over and over and over again. And it begins to form our thoughts, to dull our actions, and to numb our trust in the God who loves us. Please hear me. I'm not telling you to ignore everything. 
I'm asking you, is there something that God wants to do to where He becomes the one we trust more than all the stuff we're living and breathing and taking in and out on a daily basis? Are you ready to go there? Okay, that's the acknowledging part. It's over. I hope you're still with me. Now, to the Bible. So open your Bibles. That first one, Luke chapter 1. This is Gospel. What does Gospel mean? Good news. I want you to notice the pattern. We're tying in our series on Hark, the angels, uh, the angel passages that we did all through Advent. I want to tie that in today. Because I want you to notice the pattern. First, there is a command. There's What's first? Okay. And second, then there's a reason for the command. Alright, so first is what? Second is what? Reason for the command. Exactly. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 1. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, repeat this with me, do not be afraid. That's the command. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Notice this. The thing that he says, the reason why he says do not be afraid, why he commands him not to be afraid, is because his prayer has been heard. I was reading all kinds of research that showed that when we make prayer a daily habit, we're training our mind to focus on the presence of God instead of fear. And these were scientific journals. They were saying that when people take time to pray, it actually turns off, I was going to remember this part of your brain, uh, one of them starts with a P. I know that it shuts off that part of your brain that deals with what's that? No, not, not the pituitary gland, but thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's not prenatal, it's something like that. Thank you. I really appreciate that you guys are here and trying to help me. I was going to try and remember this so you could really uh, be impressed with my scientific knowledge. But it shuts off that part of the brain that deals with connection, uh, the fearful connections. And it really then allows you to connect with God. This is just something that they can see when there, is, when there are brain scans done while a person prays. So this, you want to you wanna see some reduction in fear Spend some time in prayer. It, it even is a, a ten-minute wordless prayer can even make the difference. I want to share something that that I do. Um, you can you can borrow it if you want. But sometimes when I only have ten minutes and fear is all around, and I've I've read and I, I learned this, I spend some time and I intentionally go to a place where I can sit comfortably and quietly. And I announce my intention with God. I say, God, I want to sit here and be present with You. Does that sound like something you could do? And then I sit. Sometimes, because I'm a, I'm a language nerd, do you, have you figured this out about me after the last 11 years? So sometimes I will repeat the word cheneni. It's the Hebrew word 
that Samuel used, that Abraham used, that Moses used. It simply means, here I am. Because I want to be present to God. And it only takes a word. For some of you, you don't know what to say in prayer. There's a song out right now. Just say Jesus. There is something about that that begins to do on a scientific level with your brain, begins to reduce your fear and connect you to the one who can help you. The one who is present with you. That's good news, isn't it? Go to Luke uh, chapter 1, just a few verses down, verse 30. I think you're going to notice a pattern here. The angel appeared to Mary, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Say that with me. One, two, three. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Did you need to hear that this morning? Did you need to hear those words? I know they were said to Mary, and I know we we put a lot of emphasis in churches, and some traditions even more so, put a lot of emphasis on Mary's favoredness. But because Jesus came, because Jesus lived and loved and died and was resurrected, today, God looks at you as one who is favored. Did you need to hear that this morning? As you begin 2020 in the midst of all the fearful things that are going on in our world today, did you need to hear that God looks on you with favor? This is important for us. This is what drives us into prayer. In fact, researchers from Baylor University said people who pray to a loving, protective God are less likely to experience anxiety-related disorders, worry, fear, social anxiety, and obsessive-compulsive behavior. To know you are favored and to spend time praying with that God leads to these things. They also found the opposite of that. If your God is distant, angry, vengeful, and those kind, you either give up on prayer or you begin to see some of those things develop into your lifestyle. That's powerful reason. Just a few minutes a day. Or, let me put a plug in here. 8.30, Sunday mornings, we gather right here. You don't have to pray out loud, but you can come and spend some time in quiet to pray about the service, to prepare your heart, to open yourself up, to reconnect with what God wants to do in your life, to let go of fear and breathe in the strength of His Spirit. You could join us. It's open to anyone. I hope you will. It's a good New Year's resolution, isn't it? Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to hit all the passages we hit over the last four weeks. Here we go. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, say it with me, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will cause great joy for all people. Wow. Did you know that good news is the word euangelion? Anybody want to take a guess at what it means? It's right up there on the board. Gospel. You were given good news. It's right here. You can take one home with you today. You can download an app that will help you. And this Bible will tell you 425 different times not 
to be afraid. I want you to just see some of the examples. So 302 times, the Bible will command you, fear not. 33 times, it will command you, do not be afraid. One time, it will tell you, be anxious for nothing. 66 times, it will tell you, do not fear. 24 times, it will say, do not what? Worry. I guess it was pretty important (laughs) for us to know how insidious the habit of fear can become. If we are not careful, this, brothers and sisters, is good news. I want you to know that right about now, you should be delivered to your, uh, in, in your inbox, if we have your information, what I'm calling a fear shield. It is many of the passages that tell us, do not be afraid. If you're not a tech person, that's okay. We have a few copies out at the Welcome Center. You can pick one up on your way out. When you are experiencing fear, when you are experiencing those things that are happening out there, and it seems to be changing, numbing you, Uh, changing your thought patterns, even maybe breaking down some of the trust you hold in God. I want to encourage you to go here and read a few of these passages. In fact, I would challenge you over the next seven days, whenever you wake up, start with that. Start there. Then, if you have your own reading tradition, go ahead, read, spend some time in prayer. See if it does not change what's going on. I would love to see what would happen in your life if we would commit, maybe this week, to spend more time here and in prayer than we do listening to the news. Hmm. I believe it would make a drastic difference in the way you come in here on Sunday. I, I really do. I know it would for me. One last one. Let's look at Matthew one twenty. Flip back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Stay with me on this one. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, say it with me, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What is this saying? Well, maybe some of you are praying for a baby in 2020. I hope that happens. But what this can say to all of us is that God is creating something good. Say it with me. God is creating something good. This should be the rallying cry of every Christian. No matter what you see, what is going on, what you think you're told, when you're told to be afraid, we know that our God is creating something good. In fact, Paul will say that all circumstances will work out for good and for God's glory to those who are called according to His purposes. Folks, we can no longer allow the habit of fear to invade our lives. We are called to pray. We were given good news. We have been told that God looks on us with favor, longs to give you everything you need, and He is creating something good in 2020. Will you dare to trust it? I'm I'm making that one of my habits this year. You see, uh, whenever you see the word believe or faith 
in the Scriptures. Our temptation in our English way of understanding faith and belief is to make it an intellectual activity. But for the Greek and Hebrew understanding of faith and belief, the best word we can come up with is an action word. It is to trust. That means that I trust that this step is going to hold me as I walk on it. If I did not trust it, I would not stand on it. Where are you called this year to trust in God? Maybe for some of you, it is to step out, to begin to invite someone to come with you. That's a part of our 10-4 goal. Maybe for some of you, it is to, to get involved in our We Care ministry, to begin to see. Maybe for some of you, it's to learn to teach kids, to help our kids understand what trusting God is calling them to, to teach them how to pray, to teach them how to begin to read. What is God calling you in trust, to trust Him in 2020, to let go of fear and to walk where He is calling us to walk? I think this is something incredible that we have seen uh, birthed in a certain way here among us 18 months ago when we decided that we were going to trust God and we were going to look at something that was pretty big <laughs> that we knew that we couldn't do unless God showed up. And look at what God has accomplished. 2020, we will finish our mortgage. We didn't think that was possible. We called an associate pastor. We sent 20 people to Croatia. We're $16,000 ahead in giving in a year. God is blessing. You're inviting people. We have a close connection with our We Care Center. I think closer than we've ever had. You're showing up for events and you're wanting to love on those kids and those families. You're wanting them to come and be a part. We could only do this because we said no to fear. And created a habit of trusting in God. What could God do if there were more of us trusting, praying, reading, and making Him the priority over all the fearful stuff that goes on out in the news? Well... We have a discipline and grace. Pastor Joe got you started off great last week. We passed out three by five cards. I have ushers that I need to bring really quick. These things, are, I want everyone to have one. Everyone should get one today, alright? Take one from the youngest to the oldest. We're going to get in a good disciplined habit. We're going to have some grace with ourselves, of course. But I want everyone to get one of these. Go ahead. If you don't have one, uh, here in just a few minutes... Make sure if we run out, we will get you some more. I want you to go home with something tangible, something you can do. I've already told you about the fear shield. That will be in your inbox, or you can pick one up on your way out. This one is about discipline. I'm going to need one up here, Chris. I'll come to you. Thank you. I want you to see this. This is an activity that you can do if you want to make more copies. That's fine. Every week that we're together, I want you to have something tangible that you can do for the next week. I've made this just big enough that you can shove it into your Bible, hold it on your iPad, whatever you need to do. I want you to spend some time with God with this this week. Okay? That first part is about the acknowledging. Who or what do I fear? What am I afraid of? 
something I saw on the news. Failure. Inviting somebody to church. Someone who believes differently than I do. What do I fear? Be honest. Just get it all out. Acknowledging is the first step in seeing this begin to change. The next question will be harder. How do I feed this fear? That means I gotta look at what I'm putting in my eyes and putting in my ears and speaking with my mouth. How do I feed this fear of whatever's on your top line? And then, this is the part where you may want to spend some time in prayer. What steps will I take this year to not let fear enslave me? The back is wide open. You can write all that you need to write there. What are the steps you're going to do? Maybe it's just one week of a media diet. Uh, Just put that away as much as you can. I know we're kind of connected work-wise with tech. Maybe it's instead of that, I'm going to listen to some good uplifting music. You know, there are all kinds of stations that play good uplifting music. Even if you're not into contemporary Christian or worship or whatever, can you listen to something that uplifts your soul? Whatever it is, I pray God uses this journal to help us to begin to say no to fear and to build in some habits that enable us to trust in what He is calling us to as a church. Are you with me? 2020 is going to be great because God is creating something good. Oh, I just saw Katrina over here. Katrina, if you're interested in more specific disciplines about building some of these things into your life, she just started a life group this Sunday on uh, disciplines. What's the name of the book that you guys are doing? Spiritual Disciplines. Pretty simple. Short, sweet, to the point. If you're interested in, in leaning into more of these disciplines that do help us with fear along with some of the others that we'll be talking about over the next three weeks, you may want to join her class at 10 o'clock. Are you guys right back here? Right down this hallway outside? Right back here. They'd love to have you there. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And maybe even right now, you want to begin to talk to the Lord about what's on that top line. And how do I feed it? You may not even be aware of it. But God is. And He will, with grace and compassion, teach you new ways and help you with discipline and grace. Father, we come to You today at the end of our Christmas season and the beginning of the aha season. (laughs) Epiphany. Today may be a wake-up call for us, an aha moment of how fear has numbed our sense of calling, has clouded our trust in You, is keeping us and holding us back from all that You would call us to. Father, we can't help the society that we're in 
that is submerged and drowning in fear. But we can take hold of you who came unafraid to our world, vulnerable and open, to show that you favor us, to bring good news and give us scripture, to teach us to pray, to remind us over and over and over again that you are creating something good. Help us to trust in that. It will take the power of your Holy Spirit. Come and rescue us from our fear. Save us, Lord Jesus, we pray. May we receive from You what we need that will help us to have grace and discipline. May we take this journal and our fear shield. May it be powerful and effective to help us live into what You are creating. That is good. Father, we are not going to bury our heads in the sand. We do thank You. And, and we want to pray for the, the things that are going around on in our world. We pray for our leaders. We pray for the situation that's going on in the Middle East right now. And we pray that You would create something good. We pray to Jesus, the Prince of Peace to come and move. But we will say no to fear through Your strength and yes to the good thing You're calling us to. Help us this year to see Your hand at work and to trust You. For we pray and ask all of these things in the name of the One who gave all for us the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? And now, may you let go of fear. May you take on the battle cry. God is creating something good. God sees me with favor. May you find the joy of a new pattern. And may this create something wonderful in your 2020. And I pray this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Go in peace. Go without fear. Amen.